Uh, welcome back. Another episode of Tate's Take. Unless you've been living under a rock, you know exactly what this is. Tate's Take, the podcast. Find it anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Make sure that you go and subscribe in that place. If you want to educate yourself a little bit, uh, let me find out there's some of you out there who still haven't subscribed yet. Let me find out. That's that's ultimately my 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 birthday present, man. For from each and every single last one of you, of those who haven't subscribed. Uh, now coming up on 37 calendars here on God's green earth in the next 48 hours or so on Monday, the 2nd of August. So if you haven't subscribed yet, it's free, man. It takes less than 30 seconds. Go ahead and knock that out one time for your boy. Streaming live on all um, of your favorite platforms, that being Periscope, that being YouTube, that being um, Facebook live as well. Uh, as Twitch and follow along on our social media platforms at Tate's Take Hoops, T-A-T-E-S-T-A-K-E-H-O-O-P-S. And you know that that's where basketball lives. And as you can see there down below uh, at the bottom on the ticker, feel free to comment below with any of your questions, opinions, comments, concerns, suggestions, whatever, what have you. And without further ado, I want to bring in uh, a dude who I've never had on the show before, but an intellectual mind. And I know that you guys are going to have a grand time listening to him educate some people because you know that that's what we do uh, here on this particular program. So let me get ready to bring him in right about now. There we go. Matthew Maurer, MBA draft historian and creator for uh the draft review.com creator of the draft review.com that is find them on all social media platforms at the draft review again at the draft review matt appreciate you for joining me here on the program man how you doing this fine afternoon man i'm doing well doing well I, i've been a long time watcher and listener of yours and uh i'm, I'm pleased i can finally be on yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And I had that in mind. I'm like, when can I get Matthew? And when is the best time? And I'm like, you know what? Draft historian, boom. Matthew, my, okay, boom. And putting the pieces together. <laughs> you don't have a peanut butter and jelly if you only got the peanut butter or you only got the jelly. That's you right, that's right. It only makes sense. So I'm like, let me get this dude on. Very, very intellectual <laughs> dude knows his stuff, man. So uh, I'm sure that the people are going to enjoy it. Um, Just give me some of your, I guess, brief, uh, takeaways from the draft or more so what kind of class that you think that this is, how it measures up to some of the ones that were either really, really good or not so good as some of the ups. Yeah, I, I was, I'm impressed with the overall quality of depth of this class. I think it's one of the deepest class we've had in oh, about five, four or five years. Um, a lot of quality players, um, I'm not ready to put it on the 2003, 1996, 1984 level, but I think it will be definitely much better than um, many people have thought about it because it's just there's a lot of young talent, a lot of guys that still have loads of potential, a lot of guys that still have things to work through. Uh, but once they do, I, I think it's it's going to be a very beneficial class for most of those teams that are that are picking. Well, let me ask you about this, because I heard you mention quite a few of the other classes, and that was the question that I was going to get to. However, you left the class out, so I want to know how you felt about comparing it to this particular class, being the 2018 class where we saw, you know, obviously number one was DeAndre Ayton played a big part of the run that the Suns made to the finals, and then, you know, number two, the guy, the odd man out that I never would have guessed, but if you would have told me he was going to the market that he was going to with the Sacramento Kings, that being Marvin Bagley, 
outside of that, you know, you've obviously got Trey Young there. You've got Jaron Jackson, obviously Luka Doncic, uh, 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 Colin Sexton, Michael Porter Jr. The list goes on and on. What does this one compare maybe to that one? Because that's probably the best one in most recent history. Um, I, I think it has potential to be a step above that one. Um, I know that's, that's incredible to think about, but I mean, Luka Dantes, for example, when he came out, I think many of us thought that he had all-star ability, but I don't think any of us thought he had MVP quality of ability. And, and clearly I mean, he showed that within the first year. Um, Aiton took a little bit longer, but I me, mean, most big men do. Um, but he, I'm sure we now have him as a top 10 center in the NBA. I don't, I don't see how you, you can't. Um, Trey Young has been, you know, anything short of phenomenal. And, and then, unfortunately, of course, Marvin Bagley, uh, who I had high hopes for, has been hampered some. I do think um, this class has a couple pieces that could show themselves to be of that quality. I, I would I would say the, the when I talk about depth, I think many of us have this idea about just the franchise guys, the guys like Doncic, the guys like Young. When I talk about the quality of a draft, I like to talk about the role players because the more quality role players you have in a draft, usually that draft bodes well for depth and talent. So it's not just I just hyper focus on who's the franchise guys. I also like to focus on who are some of the potential role players. Um, a guy like Michael Porter Jr., for example, is, is a quality role player at this moment. Could he be better? Could he be an all-star? Absolutely. But right now, I think we all would agree he's a really good role player with, with high upside. And uh, I, I think that's really the, the telltale uh, if, a, if a draft class is going to be uh, good or not. Let me ask you this. Obviously, Matthew Maurer, NBA draft historian and creator of thedraftreview.com. For those who are not familiar with thedraftreview.com or familiar with Matthew Maurer, what, what is it that, uh, that you guys kind of provide uh, people with and kind of explain that a little bit so we can uh, push that a little bit more and uh, get some more eyes and ears on it so that people can get familiar with where they find you and uh, what they can expect when they go over Sure. The the draft review essentially has been around since I want to say 2007. Um, it, it became a passion project of mine ever since I was in high school. Um, it's something that uh, the draft always intrigued me. And, you know, as anybody does when you are a kid, you collect basketball cards and I had plenty of them. And on the back of those basketball cards, you often same, saw same. There you go. You know. So on the back, you know, you have those those, uh, you know, the draft where they were drafted and everything else. And you start to like, how did this guy go before this guy? And then you start mm -hmm. really getting engaged in the process and becoming, you know, more and more. Uh, I want to say obsessed with it because it, it's it becomes this flawed process that, you know, no one's ever going to get right. But you become so intrigued with the process that you watch it religiously. And, you know, my first draft was in 1985. Um, and, and then, you know, I just it just became a fixture of mine every every year. And so during this time, I started and again, I'm dating myself, but this is before the Internet was <laughs> what it became. Sure. Um, you had to go and you had to go to the library and, and get microfish and, and actually type letters to colleges and put stamps on those things and, and really start to understand the players that were drafted um, and, and try to get a feel for, you know, what they did before uh, to get drafted. So um, I researched 
every single player that's been drafted since 1950, um, which took 30 years off and on. Uh, you know, look, you all have lives. <laughs> Things come into play. Um, mm-hmm. College gets in the way. Kids gets in the way. So, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of things that happened during the, those 30 years that kind of you put stuff on the back shelf. But, but you know, I was always uh, part of the NBA draft. Um, you know, I, I wrote scouting reports for, I want to say, five years for NBADraft.net, who I helped kind of kind of start with with uh, my friend Aaron. And, um, you know, during this time, I just, you know, continued to scout guys. And it just became something I just love to do. Now, the draft review, uh, I don't really provide scouting reports as much. That's usually done uh, with overseas teams and everything else. But I do provide what I do now, which is history. Uh, historical analysis, and as well as, uh, you know, sharing this research that that took me over 30 years to cultivate and grow. That's something really awesome, man. Really dope and just has its own lane to it, if you will. (laughs) Uh, Let me ask you this. You still got some of those basketball cars and just sports cars, you know, some of those Fleer and some of those other uh, 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 tops and whatnot. You still got some of your cards? I do. I do. That's awesome. No, that's awesome, man. I think uh, my mom uh, back in Michigan, uh, my old room that now has turned into an exercise room. And of course, my stuff is like boxed up and supposed to be put in a closet, but it's like flooded. It's like, you know, you you, you can only imagine like when you tell a little kid to clean up and they do it in like five seconds and you look under the bed or you open up the closet and here comes all the stuff pouring out. Well, those are probably my basketball cards still Mm. as a grown man in my mom's closet. Uh, that, that she's probably like when will he ever come and get this stuff out of here or whatnot so right. uh, let me ask you this because I'm always kind of intrigued and curious by this speaking of my mom she will be the person that'll tell you there's two times that you leave this man alone don't call his phone don't bother him that is on selection Sunday in NBA draft night and I always get a kick out of both of those two times that I go and order me whether it be like an extra large uh, a pizza, a pepperoni lovers, if I can help it, extra peas <laughs> and all that good stuff. Got to have my ranch on the side. What is on the menu during NBA draft in the Matthew Maurer household when you're doing all of this stuff? Yeah, typically uh, it's pizza. You know, I, I get a, it's either pizza or cheesesteak with wings. Um, okay. Just really depends on what I'm feeling for. Uh, but Usually it's pizza nine out of ten times. You really can't go wrong with some of the good pizza shops we have around here. Um, usually my family now knows, you know, that it that it's <laughs> they know they're not going to reach me. They know that I'm going to be pretty glued to this. Um, it kind of threw me off this year for the first time because I, my body, you know, it's funny, you know, you get so programmed into doing things a certain way. You know, June was always that time. So uh, the fact that it got pushed up to july uh actually threw me for a little bit of a loop because i you know i was like man i'm I'm, i know i'm supposed to be doing something you know my body's saying it but you know it's the draft got moved so it's been a definitely a little bit of a challenge because of these these little setbacks with covid and everything else and i can only imagine what it's had you know dealt some of these pro teams i'm sure they've had to adjust as well yeah it's funny that you say that because Uh, My body kind of reacts in much of the same way that it's like, you know, once we start getting closer to around, you know, 
February or right. whatnot till end of February. And of course it's already short month already as it is. And it's like That's right. the body's kind of going through changes, the appetite, the sleeping patterns and things like that. Something's about to happen. Well, that's something obviously for me, uh, just happens to be March madness. So there right. you go. Bunch of craziness all over the place. Um, before we start getting a little bit more in depth to, uh, the NBA draft that we saw just a little less than 48 hours ago, let me ask you this, uh, in terms of, um, the, in terms of just the NBA draft in general, mm-hmm. who are, uh, I guess some of your biggest surprises since you've been covering this thing, like a guy that maybe went so late, there's no way you saw this coming or a guy that you thought was going to be much better than anticipated. Break all of that down between those two players for me. And then in addition, uh, why we may or may not sometimes uh, put a little bit too much emphasis on guys that are considered a bust. Yeah, certainly. So, uh, and Jike Uboga was a guy that uh, Cleveland drafted years ago. And I I kind of like it when these events happen because it, it forces me to, to really dig into these new guys. So it doesn't happen anymore like that because information is so easily accessible now. I mean, it really is. It doesn't – very rarely do I get – you know, this, this deer in the headlights thing, like who I, I, I'm, I know most of these guys, um, that that's a, that's a great memory of mine. Uh, Tangu Nagobo, who Minnesota drafted at a Qatar. Uh, that one was a, was a surprise. Martin Mursep in 96 from Estonia. These were guys that no one knew were going to get drafted and, and they got drafted. And, uh, those are, those are great memories because, you know, you almost like to be tricked when it happens. Um, Peter, Peter face uh, that Seattle drafted in, I want to say was it 2000, 2001 uh, right. second rounder. They just drafted him because he was from Germany and he played a little bit like Dirk. They didn't even really re- see him. They didn't really see him play. That's how, that's how mm-hmm. crazy the drafts are at times. Um, so these things are always exciting for me. Uh, and you know, a guy that I was, that was drafted that I didn't think, was going to be that good that 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 surprised me. Mm. I got to think about this one. That that one's that one's a trick question a little bit because I, I scout these guys so heavily. But I think, you know, I would say Josh Howard. I think he returned okay. a lot more value than I initially thought he was. Dallas. Um, yep, Dallas. Josh Howard. I. I was I liked him, but I didn't think he was going to go in the NBA and become a 16, 18 point a game scorer. I, I didn't see that for him, and that definitely surprised me to say the least. Um, I think the thing that obviously Kwame Brown's been all over the place, and we've seen his name, and 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 that's what I was going to ask you between maybe he and or. Uh, Because he's been busy lately these days. Uh, But between he and, like, Anthony Bennett, are those, like, the two biggest busts? Like, are you on that train? Are you on board with that? Uh, No, no. I'm a little bit different in my view. Uh, Okay. I try not to look at it from a bus standpoint because um, I'm not the one that put the investment. That's on the the, the owner of the team, or or as they call him now, the governor. He's the one that paid the, the salary. I didn't have to pay the number one pick salary. He did. 
I look right. at that as that players don't live up to their projection. Okay. So they were projected here and they didn't do well. Mm-hmm. Um, Anthony Bennett, contrary to popular belief in Kwame Brown, are far from the worst number one picks of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, that would probably be Gene Melcher and Mark Workman. And I think that's 1952 and 1953. Some okay. of the worst ones of all time because Gene Melcher, um, he got involved in the point, sca- point shaving scandal and they basically he got barred from playing in the NBA. So he that's you want to talk about a bad return on investment. You don't even get anything. Um, yeah. And then Mark Workman played uh, literally a year was drafted uh, after he was drafted and then immediately traded and then out of the league entirely within two years. So that's a pretty poor investment. Uh, you know, people say, you know, Anthony Bennett, because he's become the latest and greatest uh, among people who know the draft. But, you know, people forget Anthony Bennett, along with Andrew Wiggins, returned to the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, mm-hmm. Kevin Love. So even mm-hmm. Anthony Bennett gave something in back itself. to, yes, to in itself. So it's almost, it's almost like I always tell people, it's, it's like, yes, there is an idea that these players didn't live up to the projection. But at the end of the day, it's also an idea of what kind of value did the team that originally drafted him get and i think bennett even though he didn't live up to his number one projection he did return kevin love to the franchise man my dude double m going all the way back to 52 (laughs) and 53 i tell you what i never heard of the guys that and i'm people come to me all the time and value my which i'm always appreciative of value my opinion and just my knowledge and passion uh, for the game. But I tell you what, those guys I've never heard of. You could have just completely made up names in your mind just then. <laughs> but I com- hey, l- listen, let me tell you, uh, but I, I definitely got to salute you. That takes a lot of knowledge, a lot of studying and research to kind of keep up with that and just know that off the back. I tell people all the time. I think it was, uh, uh, and I'm almost forgetting now, I feel like at this point, uh, when basketball was uh, originated, I want to say maybe like a November 21st of 1891 or something like that uh, when it was when it was originated and created people are like oh my god i can't believe it i can't believe that you know that and i'm like yeah well yeah it's it's basketball wait until you meet matthew mauer the (laughs) nba draft historian and creator of the draftreview.com make sure you're going and give dude a follow if you haven't already please hurry up and jump on that like asap like yesterday um then you mentioned something about qatar and i'm like I don't even know where to begin thinking about where that is located, if I'm just being honest. Like, that could be on the equator. That could be on the moon. I have absolutely no idea. Now, let's get into um, this current draft. And I meant to mention, by the way, before we do that, like, talk me off the ledge real fast on a couple things. Let's start out with the first one being um, the Detroit Pistons. I couldn't imagine I'm getting anything remotely close to a Darko Milicic all over again. Okay. I think mm-hmm. we can pretty much all agree on that. That's going to take that, 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 that's going to be a hard pill to swallow uh, <laughs> if in the event that's the case. I'm a bad boy by nature, born, bred. You know, this, I know this, we all know this. I remind the people enough, but I covered the Hawks for a living as well. But to those, between those two franchises how well do you think that they did particularly in this current nba draft that we just saw take place i think atlanta pulled some really quality guys to cultivate jalen johnson sharif cooper i mean those are two you know really good pieces um i actually think detroit came away well um that 
You know, th- this is all. This is going to be like Peyton Manning and Ryan Leaf for most of their career. I, I know they don't think that yet, but it's going to happen because I'm in the Jalen Green camp. I felt he should have been number one. I think I think he's has the best talent. I get that Cade is the most polished and the least likely to fail. I get mm-hmm. that. Um, and I think if Darko Milicic's never happened, and again, I have no ends with the Detroit Pistons back office, uh, you know, maybe they would be a little bit more risk, you know, might, might apply that risk and maybe, maybe take a Jalen Green. But, um, I think Cade was a good pick. I think he's got a little bit of that, uh, you know, that Grant Hill, Jamal Mashburn just, but doesn't have the athleticism that Grant Hill had, obviously not as explosive. He is athletic, but he's just not as explosive as Grant Hill was coming out of Duke. Um, But he is the most, I would say most ready to go into any offense and, and, and create and, and be a part of that offense. Um, You know, he took a a very raw uh, Oklahoma state team to the, to the, you know, tournament. So I, I can't really argue against him being taken number one, but just mm. the gobs of potential that Jalen Green has is the type of thing that as an analyst, you just look at and you go, wow, if somebody, if he is as, if he mentally has it where people think he does, he's going to be something mm. special. I'll tell you what, and what we're going to do now that you said that, because I want to pick up right where you left off, but first, Make sure that we are uh, certainly doing our part here on uh, on the show. And as always, we got to make sure that we get our bills paid, pay our pay our tithes, if you will, uh, to some sort of extent. And by doing that, I want to welcome you to the quick release segment. You're you're a subscriber, so I know that you're pretty familiar with sponsored and powered by Exotics by Curtis Smith. Look good, feel good, play great. Exoticsproducts.com. Give your body, give your skin what it deserves. Finally, after all of this time and uh, all 110% natural products, no chemicals added. Before you check out uh, and and finish up with your purchase, make sure you hit that discount code right there. Put in take take T-A-T-E-S-T-A-K-E for 15% off. Now, with that said, I want to move forward to... Uh, picking up where you last left off. Let's give some wait what. Let's do wait what real quick. I was the guy that said, okay, uh, and and clearly I understand Kate is the more probably NBA ready guy and he's the most mature and he's got the frame and he just looks the part. Um, but I was like, I think that the Pistons should have had some little bit more consideration for a guy like Jaden Suggs, who's uh, certainly, it would, obviously Jalen Green in that conversation, but uh, Jalen Suggs, the way that he's just a straight-up winner. Like, he, it, to me, I feel like he is the Russell Wilson of this draft, if that makes any kind of sense whatsoever. Probably not a ton. Uh, talk me off the ledge of that. Should the Pistons have considered that? Would have the, am, I, just, am I crazy for thinking that there should have been some more consideration? Because I just feel like with Cade Cunningham, you're getting solid all across the board, no question. But I'm not sure that you'll ever get beyond that. I'm not sure you'll ever get superstardom or maybe even all-star. I feel like Jalen Suggs a little bit more uh, consideration. What says you? Um, I don't think that's crazy. I, I, I thought Suggs, um, you know, he's I, – I see the Russell Wilson comparison more than most, and I think that's because he's kind of vanilla. You know, he's a guy that – he doesn't do any one thing 
that you would say that's NBA. Like he doesn't have a 40 inch vertical. He doesn't, he, he doesn't outrun everybody on the court. He He's not Stephen Curry. Once he goes through half court, you know, he, he, He's just everything he does is by will and will alone, will, toughness and strength. Like he's he's a competitor. He just wants to compete. And um, I think that that strat that that mindset is going to push him a lot higher than I think people think. So, no, I, I don't think Suggs at number one would have been crazy. I think, you know, there's a lot there to like. It wouldn't shock me if he ends up having an all star type career um i I really like him i i think if people remember the championship game he was the only guy from gonzaga who was not intimidated by baylor everybody else was intimidated Mm -hmm. everybody else you know kind of tucked themselves away he was the only guy that was telling he just he was injured too if i'm not mistaken i think he had an injury at one point yes i mean he is a guy that he just inserts his will and and he's such a tough kid, and I know that's a lot of that football mentality that he has, but I mean it's just so much there to like. And I don't, I I can't fault anybody for thinking Suggs has the goods. Uh, I I certainly think he's better than some people have evaluated him as. I know that guys are gonna talk about the number one, you know, Cunningham and Green, and of course Mobley, and then of course you got you know Barnes and. Uh, Suggs, maybe Kaminga, I don't know, but uh, if there is a guy, uh, who do you say uh, in the event that's like, don't be surprised if you see this guy in contention for rookie of the year. If it's one of those guys, you can't think of somebody else perfectly fine, no worries. But if you could think of someone on the outside mm-hmm. looking in, who might be the guy that you would say, don't be surprised if you see this guy in contention for rookie of the year on the outside looking in? You know, I would say if he doesn't if he doesn't exist, that's okay too. No, no, I would say uh, a guy. Well, there's a couple guys I, I really like. Uh, Franz Wagner, I think, has a okay. really legit chance. Um, Jarrett Butler, I wouldn't be shocked if he starts to find himself uh, getting minutes. I mean, he fell in the draft unfortunately because of his medical. Uh, situation. I don't think it was a talent issue. I think it was, I'm worried that about your medical, but if that all comes back and that's a okay, I think Jared Butler fell way too far. And um, I think he's going to return first round value. And I wouldn't be shocked if he starts to, you know, fight uh, for, for good minutes. I mean, he's on, he's in a good situation at Utah. Um, again, I, they're not sexy takes because I think, you know, there's one thing, I think most of the guys in the top 10, I think guys like, uh, you know, certainly Cade, Suggs, Barnes. Um, I don't think maybe, maybe Mobley. I don't know, but, and maybe Jalen Green will take another year, but also Josh Christopher too. He He's a guy that even though he played at Arizona state and he's a little sporadic, I really think he has the heart and the ability to, to, to push himself and uh, wouldn't shock me if if he ends up becoming a surprise. I'm almost to a point where, like, are we brothers? Because I really feel like I was about to say the next, the exact same thing with this next question. I want to get some grades from you, some mm-hmm. some 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 tier one and tier two franchise grades. Maybe you know who 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 what two teams maybe had the best grade and 
what 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 other two teams may have been like really good grades, but certainly a level right below some of the ones that may have been an A or something like that. Uh, mm. Who are some of those teams for you, and who are just some of the ones that you think just really did not do very well at all? Didn't help themselves much. Um. Well, obviously, I think. Uh, let me think here, real quick. I think Charlotte did. I'm glad you said. And I was going to say, I'm glad that you said Houston, too, by the way, uh, because you got your Josh Josh Christopher talking about him and Jalen Green together. is just absolutely crazy to California kids. But anyway, go ahead. Apologize. Yeah. No, no, no. You're absolutely right. But I think uh, Charlotte had a really good draft. Uh, they take a falling book night at 11. They make a trade for Kai Jones. Um, they get the, the wonder boy, JT Thor, who, who has loads of potential that they could develop. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just really think that they did an exceptional job at just going through the draft and picking guys. The Rockets, I mean, Jalen Green, Sengun, um, Garuba, Christopher. Mm-hmm. I mean, Christopher. It, it's insane how much they did uh, in this draft. I mean, I, if I'm a Houston fan, I'm more than ecstatic because I think they did their homework more than most teams did. Um, they just really played to where they were at and just took the best player available. And um, I think those two teams, to me, are the most standouts of everybody. Um, I guess I could say – I think there's one other team. I, I'm just looking at my, my notes here. Um, I think the Magic taking Suggs and Wagner also, that, that I think those are, those are guys that I would give an A to. No, that's interesting because I had one that you didn't mention. They're the only two draft pit- – wait. Nope, I'm mistaken. They they picked up five guys, okay? Two of them, I felt like, coming into the draft were absolute steals at whatever point. One guy can fill it up like crazy, one of the best scorers in all of college basketball this year, natural. And uh, the other guy, just tough as nails, super physical and aggressive. That's Dayron Sharp and Cam Thomas going over to the Brooklyn Nets. I thought that that was absolutely phenomenal. You had a guy like a Raekwon Gray in there with that who's just extremely physical as well. You put him and Sharp together, I just think that that's absolutely bananas for the Brooklyn Nets. Um, let's jump over now to um, – let's go here. Let's go shoplifters and snoozers. <laughs> Who do you feel like are the biggest steals and sleepers for this particular draft? Um, I think the Clippers getting Keon Johnson as late as they did. I mean, when the draft was beginning – he was ranked a top 10 talent. He kind of fell down a little mm-hmm. bit. They make a trade. New York mm-hmm. picks him, I think, at 21. They make a trade for him. And Keon mm-hmm. Johnson has a lot of those Kawhi Leonard-type abilities. I'm not saying he's Kawhi Leonard. I'm saying he's the same kind of athlete Kawhi is, um, same type of long arms, very active on the defensive side. So there's a lot there to work with. He's not mm-hmm. the rebounder Kawhi is and obviously not the shot maker. But there's a lot there on the raw side. For them to develop, I thought he was a steal uh, that, uh, you know, that late. Um, who else? I thought Cam Thomas, the Brooklyn took at 27. Um, another mm-hmm. great pick. I mean, the guy's instant offense. I do worry about um, him carving out a role, but being on a team with that much talent, he can just go in there and be like an Eddie that House. much offense. Yeah. 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 It's like rip, offense rip on offense nets. on offense. Yeah. Um. <laughs> There's another guy. Oh, sorry. Yeah, the Knicks. They took uh, Rock, Rocco Jascubitis at 34. I think he's a great wait-and-see guy, nice dash guy. Miles um, McBride at 35. 
Uh, I had him little. I had him the first round grade, and then Jericho Sims at fifty eight. I mean, Jericho is just a phenomenal athlete. There's no downside in taking him at fifty eight. I think that was a great, great little touch. Um, I think they should be more than happy with that. And that's really all the guys that I think were yeah, the I was best gonna... steals. For sure, for sure. And I'm glad that you mentioned the Charlotte Hornets earlier who did themselves some justice uh, picking up book night. And I tell you what, that's like a BBB all over again, not standing for big baller brand. I know that LaMelo <laughs> is over there, but that actually stands for book night, bridges, and ball. That's uh, a fact. The BBB that they've got over there, you can only imagine Killer how bees. much electrifying uh, playmaking abilities. Yeah, that's for sure that you will see. How about this one? Fill in the blank. Blank might surprise everyone else on the next level, but not me. Which player is that? Again, I'll give you a second to think about it. Blank might surprise everyone else on the next level, but not me, says Matthew Maurer. Who is blank? Uh, Trey Murphy from Virginia. Um, Pelicans have him. Great, great shooter. Um, plays really solid defense. Would not shock me if he carves out a 10-plus year career. He's just the type of guy that, you know, he's a glue guy, good role player. Um, I could see him maybe being a possible high-level starter for teams. Um, I don't see him being an all-star, but it, I think he's going to carve a very nice career. Um, I just – I thought he could go a lot higher in the draft. And then um, there's one other guy, Isaiah Jackson from Kentucky. Doesn't understand yet the game as much IQ-wise. But the mm -hmm. physical gifts that he has, the long arms, the, the athleticism, I think a lot is there um, for him to make an impact. If he can just start this, if the game just starts to slow down for him, I think it's going to be huge for him long term. Two last questions for you. Let's do another wait what? Uh, part two, I guess, if you will. Who do you think what, – what, what was the biggest surprise move that you saw in the draft? What team picked somebody up? And, of course, I got one in my head, and I don't want to mention that. You know what? Let's make it a little bit more difficult because I don't want to do Josh Primo at number 12 to the San Antonio Spurs. That's right. so unfair. Okay, right. so with that one being the exception, which one – is that where you were going to go, Matt? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, sure. okay. So we're on for the sure. same page. I told you. Yeah. We might be brothers or something. I'll yeah, 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 yeah. Outside of that one, which move do you think uh, was probably the biggest surprise, if any, uh, that we saw on Thursday night? To where really I think Giddy, Giddy going at six shocked me. Um, I I'm actually higher on Giddy than a lot of people in the draft community. Um, I thought he was uh, a top twelve talent, but seeing him go all the way up to six, I'm just not convinced he's the sixth best player. Um, that shocked me. And then, not really a huge shock, but I had all but written Suggs in pen to go to Toronto. And when they took mm. Scotty Barnes, I was like, what? R really? So it's not that I don't like Barnes. It's Because I had mm. Barnes going next. I'm going fifth. Is that mm. I just thought Suggs embodied everything that they love in point guards in Toronto. And I thought he would match the culture. I mean, he's like literally a stone's throw. He grew up in Minnesota. I thought everything was there for the taking. So when they, they took Barnes, I was like, I was shocked by that. But, yeah, those are my the two that I really was like, wait a minute, what? Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense because uh, 
OKC being a team that has like a gazillion, if there's even a such word, <laughs> draft picks over the next few years, if you will. Uh, and it just makes a lot of sense, like Suggs going over to Toronto and uh, really uncertain as it seems that Kyle Lowry is going to be there next year or not. So it's just a perfect situation. But then even more so, there's still some uncertainty as I'm hearing about Pascal Siakam. Uh, maybe not being around very long either. And that is kind of where you can insert somebody like a Scotty Barnes, who is more of a point forward, if you will, can play some of that same position, get the rebound and kind of go coast to coast and be like, y'all go down court. Don't worry. We don't need an outlet. Just right. go down court. I got this type of deal. Uh, last question that we got here for you. And I promise we'll let you go. Appreciate you for hanging in there a little bit longer. And speaking of hanging in there, is there a particular player that you think, um, made a wise or bad decision by going back to school, a wise or a bad decision by deciding to come out and go to the draft. Did any of that surprise you? Who do you think maybe could have went back to school? Who do you think maybe that went back to school? That's like, ah, on second thought, uh, Johnny Juzang or whomever, you know, could have potentially uh, come out in uh, this draft and found themselves a home and maybe even in the first round and got some guaranteed loot. I think Johnny Juzang made the smartest move uh, out of all the underclassmen. Um, I think he was a guy that he went to the combine. He couldn't get his shot off uh, consistently. He was a little bit sporadic at times in terms of shot creation. He, he wasn't showing that he could do it consistently. And I think he really was smart. Why stay and get a second round pick if that? And, and go back to college. I mean, you're in an elite program at UCLA. Um, go make some more noise and, and get your stock up. I thought that was a brilliant brilliant by him. Um, I was shocked that, and I'm not saying he was wrong for doing it, but I was shocked that Kofi uh, Cockburn didn't stay in the draft. I It looked like he was all but set to stay in the draft, and then he just decided in the ninth hour to pull out and, and go back to school, which I'm happy he did, but – I'm shocked that, you know, it looked like he was bonafidely staying in the draft and, and he, he just didn't. So I was shocked by that. A really good player, man, and uh, a dominant guy. I'd like to see him look a little bit more like Shaquille O'Neal, if I could, Absolutely. Uh, outside of the free throw shooting uh, issues that he has had. But certainly uh, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with in the Big Ten again. There was some talks about him going over to Kentucky and then obviously not deciding to do that, staying in Champaign. Illinois has a really good team, Andre Curbelo, and they've got some pretty good uh, recruits coming in as well. Matthew Maurer, episode number 94. I think that's going to conclude it. NBA draft historian, man, you guys do yourselves a favor. Go and follow this dude. Social media platforms at the draft review. Again, at the draft review. Historian creator of the draftreview.com. Make sure that you go over there and check that out. I do appreciate you for coming on the pro Program today, man, and thank you so much for all that you have done uh, for my particular and personal uh, platform and outlet and the whole nine, just listening, supporting, uh, sharing, uh, watching the whole nine. It's uh, greatly and overly appreciated, and I'm very thankful. Uh, thank you, my man. I appreciate you having me on. You're gracious as always, and uh, thank you for, uh, you know, taking time to, to spend it with me. Appreciate you. Sure, sure thing. No doubt. That's my dude, uh, Matthew Maurer right there. Again, I appreciate him for 
coming over and gracing us with his presence and bringing some of that big time knowledge that he has as a uh, as a historian uh, of basketball and obviously particularly talking about the uh, the NBA draft. So I think that's going to do it for us. I think 40 minutes is good enough time to talk some basketball. I could do this for about another 40 hours or 40 days, 40 weeks, 40 months, 40 years. Appreciate everybody for subscribing. If you haven't already, make sure you go and do your part. Again, year number 37, chapter number 37, 37 calendars coming up in the next 48 hours or so on Monday for me. Uh, and uh, all I want first, I just want, I just want a simple birthday gift. That's all I want. If you haven't subscribed yet, go and subscribe. If you've subscribed already, force somebody else to subscribe. Turn their wrist. You know, just just pull their chain, twist their arm, whatever it is that you need to do to uh, get some people to subscribe to this thing because you never know who you're going to get as a guest. Got some really awesome people that's going to be coming up here in the future as well. At Tate's Take Hoops, go and subscribe. Uh, T-A-T-E-S-T-A-K-E-H-O-O-P-S. We like to call it where basketball lives. And uh, everywhere that you can find your favorite podcast, tell your mama, tell your grandmama, tell your baby mama where they can find the best, the most entertaining, the most informational, and, of course, don't forget the most educational basketball content on the planet in the form of a podcast. That would be nothing other than Tate's Take where basketball lives. See you guys next time. Bye.